Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And chapter number nine, the gospel record of Luke in chapter number nine. We're continuing with our series of the gospel record of Luke and traveling with the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ as given to us in the gospel record of Luke. And as we've been traveling with the Lord Jesus Christ, we are now getting to the place of the last year of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're beginning to head towards the cross of Calvary. And he's going to be taking steps to head back to Jerusalem and try to teach his disciples and his followers as they go. Now at this time, they've already called the disciples. He's trained them for a while. He's already sent them out to go for several months, up to a year, to go practice the things. And now he has gathered the disciples back together again and is now going to give them some follow-up instruction after they're working in the ministry for themselves. And we find our way in the gospel record of Luke in chapter number 9. The gospel record of Luke chapter number 9. And notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 10. The gospel record of Luke chapter number 9. And notice with me if you don't mind verse number 10. And the apostles when they were returned told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city of Bethesda. And the people, when they knew it, followed him. And he received them and spake unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that that had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and the countries round and about, and lodge and get victuals, for we are here in a desert place. But he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all these people. For they were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down by fifties in a company. And they did so and made them sit down. And he took the loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them, and brake, and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat, and were all filled. And there were taken up of the fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. And with this, if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark something that's actually repeated several times? We notice in verse number 13, the first mention of it, five loaves and two fishes. Five loaves and two fishes. And then again, it's mentioned in verse number 16, the five and two, five loaves and two fishes. And with this, this is often called the feeding of the 5,000. So whichever title you would like, the feeding of the 5,000 or the five loaves and two fishes. But with this, we want to go ahead and learn about what happened historically, then also see the things that the Lord is trying to teach to his disciples as they've gathered back and have begun to follow him again after their journey. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you now, we're just asking that you would give us grace. 
Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the provision that you've given to us. And I'm asking that our hearts and our minds would be attentive to you. That you would give us the strength and the willingness and the desire to see from your word. That you would get the victories and that you would help this to strengthen this church up and what you would have us to do. That we may follow after you. Again, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm conscious of my limitations today and my need of you. And I'm asking that I would not be a hindrance, but in fact, you would use me in spite of myself and not because of me, that you would get your work accomplished. These good folks came out on a Wednesday night after a busy and hot week. We're asking, Lord, that you would just give them the spiritual refreshing that comes from your word. And we love you. Thank you that we could trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as the Lord Jesus Christ has sent out his disciples and gathered them back, we know that the church began with Christ and his disciples. We know that the church began as Jesus gathered the people and had them assembled unto himself. And he began at this fledgling seedling church and began to give them instructions and began to give them help. We know the church was later empowered at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down. But the church began with Christ and his disciples. And now as Jesus is beginning his last year and beginning to take that journey to Jerusalem, Jesus Christ is going to be training the disciples a little bit more specifically on the ins and the outs of the church, how to uh, operate, how to go, how to depend upon him and not depend upon themselves. And even though we have this backdrop of the feeding of the 5,000, this is a lesson that he is trying to instruct to the disciples. And as we explore this, maybe we can learn some of these lessons ourselves that we may apply them to what God would have us to do. The very first thing I'd like to bring your attention to is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church. Notice with me in verse number 10. And the apostles, when they were returned, remember, what did they return from? Well, Jesus had sent them out preaching everywhere through the towns, preaching the gospel, healing everywhere. They went and traveled for about a year's time, uh, uh, up to a year's time. And now they have returned back. And during this time, as they return, Jesus has gathered them. He has heard their stories, heard about what had happened. Notice again in verse 10. And the, the apostles, when they were return, told him all that they had done. And he took them and he went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethesda. And praise the Lord, there's a time that everyone needs to be set aside to rest. After this time of them laboring and working, he set them aside for the thing of rest. However, that rest didn't last long. Verse number 11. And the people, when they knew it, when they knew what? They found out where Jesus and the disciples were going to go hide at. Can you imagine, even before the days of cell phones and internet and telephones, they still found out how to get to the preacher. And even when he tried to take a break, they would try to make sure, oh, we got to go hear him. And so they ended up taking their vacation time and ended up being service time. Notice it is continued on some more. And the people, when they knew it, followed him. And notice this, and he received them. Aren't you glad that God always receives people? Always he takes them. And by the way, this is part of what the church needs to be doing is receiving everyone. We need to take people. Remember, everyone that comes through the doors is in need of something. There's no such thing as a perfect church. If you find one, don't join it because it would no longer be perfect. We have people that 
are in need. Every person who walks through this door who's not a member of the church, who's a first-time visitor, is coming to church for a reason. And they need help. And remember that every single one of us have issues. We may not have the same issues, but everyone has, this, has issues. And so we need to find out where people are and help them take the f forward. And so it doesn't matter if someone comes in here with green hair and a nose ring and an earring and a cheer, cheer, uh, cheek ring. And there's a chain going from the earring to the cheek ring to the nose ring. We're going to accept them anyways and be glad to have them. And try to find out where they are and help them take the next level. And that's what Jesus did. He always took them. <laughs> and he always tried to help them from where they are to take another step. To bring them to himself. And that's what Jesus did. And we have that same example that we're supposed to follow. Notice again. And the people when they knew it followed him and he received them. And spake unto them the kingdom of God. Now remember, this has been the consistent message of John the Baptist. This has been the consistent message of the Lord Jesus Christ. That as they preach the kingdom of God, their message is also repent, repent, repent. That you have to recognize that you are a sinner. And because of your sin that you've offended a holy righteous God. But let me tell you, there is good news. Jesus came to die for that sin. And that you could receive the free gift of eternal life. By accepting that gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus took everyone. Found out where they were. Received them. And preached to them all the same message. Remember, every single one of us are sinners. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's not a single perf perfect person who ever walks through that door. We have sinners who walk through that door who need Jesus. And that's their only hope. That's the only message. That's what they need to hear. Is they need to hear of Jesus. And this is the purpose of the church. What is what... The purpose that God has given to us, well, later on in the gospel record of Luke, we're going to have something called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission can be summarized in two words. Reaching and teaching. We're supposed to reach them with the gospel, then disciple them so they could turn around and do the very same thing. And this is the purpose of the church. This is what God has given us to do, is to accept people, to reach people, to tell them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and point them to himself. And that's what Jesus Christ had done. Notice again in verse 11. And the people, when they knew it, they followed him and received him and spake of them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. Jesus Christ knew exactly what they needed and was able to find out where they were and give them what they needed. In this case, many of them needed healing. But we could see that Jesus had compassion on all of them and wanted to meet their needs, wanted to find out where they were and to seek and to save that which was lost. Now this brings us to another thing. We see the incident of the feeding of the 5,000. But once again, we're going to see something embedded in here that we can learn from. I want to teach you a little bit about the organization of the church. Not only the purpose of the church, which is to preach the gospel and then to teach them to follow after him. But we can also see this organization of the church woven within this historical event of the feeding of the 5,000. Notice with me in verse number 12. 
And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodging at victuals, for we are here in a desert place. Now, this is a very practical thing. The disciples came up to him and said, Jesus, we've been teaching all day. There's a ton of people out here and we want to make, we care for them. We don't want them just to just wither away. We're out in the middle of the desert. There's not a Walmart. There's not a Golden Corral. There's not even a McDonald's. So we got to take care of them. There's no quick trip. We need to make sure that they can go home. We feel responsible for them. So let them go. Let them go to the villages. Let them go find their own food. Let's take care of it before it's in the middle of the night. That's a very practical examination. There's people that need to be taken care of. They need to be taken care of. We don't have anything with us that's able to do the job. So Jesus, can we send them away? Can we dismiss them? Can we finally say church is over and say amen and send people home? But notice what Jesus said in verse 13. But he said to them, give ye them to eat. Now, that's an interesting statement. They're coming to Jesus and said, Jesus, we don't have enough. Let them go home. And Jesus looks at him and says, you give them to eat. What? We just told you we don't have anything to give them. Notice as Jesus follows this up as they respond. And they said, we have no more but five loaves and two fishes. Now, of course, we're familiar with the tale as they just went to go <coughs> look and say, hey, does anyone have something to eat? And they had a little boy with a little lunch that had two barley uh, look like muffins. That They weren't big loaves. They were like little muffins. And two little sardines. That's about all he had. And he says, well, I'm willing to give it. This is all I've got. And so he shared. Now, isn't that like people? They didn't plan ahead. And so now it's time to eat. Nobody has anything to eat. And then what we were going to do, we, we just didn't think. We just wanted to come out. And now they have all this. The disciples said, we have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for the people. They said, we can go to the store and go to the next village, but it's going to be a while because remember, they don't have a McDonald's. They have to go find it, go get the stuff. They have to prepare the stuff to make the stuff. This is a big ordeal and it's already getting close to evening time. I said, we can go out there if that's what you want us to do. Verse 14. For they were about 5,000 men. Now, let's math this if you don't mind. We know that the men didn't travel all, of them, all alone. Many of them were married. And then, let's also calculate that they also had children. Let's just say that there is one child per family. We know that the average is 2.5. So, let's just say that there's one per family. So, you got 5,000 men, 5,000 women... And about 5,000 children at a low estimate. So there is 15,000 people here. That's a lot. And when you look at 15,000 people and all you have is a couple barley loaves and two sardines, you start to say, well, maybe I don't have enough. Maybe we are not equipped. Maybe we didn't plan ahead for this meeting here. What are we going to do? This, this is a lot of folks here. And so it gives us the count. But Jesus wasn't worried about the count. Notice what he said. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down by fifties in a company. And so they did and made them all sit down. Now with this, we could see that Jesus Christ organized the efforts so no one was missed. 
we're thankful that Jesus was smart enough. Now notice what he's going to do. He says, I want you to arrange them in small little groups so that way they can be count, um, kept track of. So that way no one's missed. No one has to wait in line. We're going to go to them. Now notice what he also did. And verse number 16, and he took the five loaves and two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and break them and gave them to his disciples to set before the multitude. We'll get into the miracle of this in just a second. But notice what Jesus Christ did. There are 15,000 people there. Jesus Christ did not have all the lucky people stand in line and wait their turn to finally get to meet Jesus. But what Jesus Christ did is that he tr called trained and equipped some people to work with him. He gave them the bread and the fish. They went out to the people and made it so that way they organized their efforts so everyone was reached. We can apply this same principle as we are considering the organization of a church that we need to follow through with the same practice. So often a church is organized that everything's dependent upon the pastor. And it's almost like everyone has to come to the pastor and everyone has to wait their turn. Well, we know that every organization has a limitation of how many people they can effectively minister to based off of their structure. And only one person can only effectively reach a certain amount of people. There may be a talented person, but even that talented person would be limited on how many he could reach by himself. How many he can minister to by himself. But if we organize our efforts, we can go ahead and organize the efforts so that way everyone is reached. Inside of a church that we have today, that one of our natural organizations is within a Sunday school. May I go back and kind of give you a little history of what they try to do? That the, for a long time, the person who pastored the two largest churches of the world at the same time was J. Frank Norris. He pastored a church in Texas, in Fort Worth, and he pastored a church in Michigan at the same time. And that takes a lot to doing. Well, how in the world can someone do that? Well, it was because of his Sunday school superintendent, Louis Insminger, who was very instrumental of trying to make sure that things were taken care of. What do you mean? Well, what he did is he arranged a Sunday school. So a Sunday school class would start with seven people. You would have a teacher that was ministering to seven people. That teacher was always teaching an assistant with the idea that the assistant was going to eventually take, the, take a class. When the class multiplied from seven to 14, they would split. The teacher would take one. The assistant would take one. Both of them would also then take another assistant and train them and go ahead and and do the same thing. When they would get to 14 again, they would split. And they did it this way because with the natural organization of a Sunday school, that they could go ahead, one person can minister to 7 to 14 people fairly effectively. What do I mean by that? Well, if someone's missing in your small class, you know if they're missing. And you could call and follow up. Hey, we missed you in church. Are you all right? 
Do you need anything? Can we help you out? And that way they can make sure that person is followed up on. You know, one of the reasons why someone goes to a church is because they're invited. This is a different topic altogether, but they did a survey of people who had never been to church. Not because they went to church and left, but they had never been to a church in the first place. And they asked him, why don't you go to church? 75% of those people who had never been to a church in the first place said they were never invited. Imagine that. They said, we would go if we were just invited. Well, people go to church because they were invited. People stay in a church, not because of doctrine, but because they feel loved and accepted, because they feel like someone cares for them. Does it make sense? Well, within a Sunday school, you have someone who's able to check up on them. You know, as a church gets larger, it's harder for a pastor to keep up with who's having what procedure done. Oh, usually the pastor's the last one to know. Oh, did you know so-and-so had surgery three weeks ago? No. That's a usual thing that happens in a church. Well, with a Sunday school class that's divided up and the efforts are divided, that person is not reached. Hey, you're having a surgery this week? Thank you. Let me know. I'm going to pass it to the pastor so that way he does know. Because the people are cared about. If someone's missing for a while, the Sunday school teacher is responsible of going and following up with them. Hey, well, you've been missing for a while. Is everything okay? Oh, you've been on vacation? Great, wonderful. But that way the people aren't missed. It's a natural way of organizing our efforts. And Jesus gave us the same pattern here that it should not be dependent upon one guy. If you could imagine and some churches do this, to have the lucky pastor standing there and he has the bread for the people and the people have to go to him. Well, if you're anything like me, I don't like lines. Could you imagine being in the last of the line of a line of 15,000 people? I'm just going to go find something else. Forget this. And those people wouldn't be missed. Those people wouldn't be taken care of. Well, this way they're sitting... And the, the preachers are taught, or the pastor teaches the men, teaches the assistants, teaches those who go with them how to minister, how to get to them. So that way the people are taken care of and the people are going out to them. Does that make sense? We're following a pattern that Jesus Christ has made and this is the way it should go. That the pe preacher should always be training people to go alongside, should be discipling, should be bringing people along. And so that way the church is operating. If you can let me give another example. In the London Metropolitan Tabernacle Church of London, England, the Prince of Preachers Charles Spurgeon was the biggest name there. And a lot of people thought because of Charles Spurgeon, who by the way, a hundred years after his death is still the best-selling uh, pastor who's Today, if you go to a bookstore, more people buy, buy Spurgeon's books than any other pastor who's alive today. He's known as the Prince of Preachers, and because of that, people have the idea that at the Metropolitan Tabernacle of London, England, that the, all the people would come out to hear him preach. And there was a couple years where that was true. But honestly, what happened is that he would preach a message on Sunday morning, then 3,000 people would take that same message and preach it all throughout London, England and its surrounding things. In small little chapels, they would have a Bible study at work, they would have it everywhere and so that message of Spurgeon's would travel everywhere. What's wrong with that? 
In fact, because of that, I try to preach in such a way that people could take notes and easily take what I preach and teach it to someone else. Be in conscience of it that I should be repeatable. We should be teaching something so people could take the same thing and teach it to someone else. This is the principle that God has given to us. That we're not just supposed to take it and just say, oh, well, this is good stuff. But we're responsible for taking what we've been given and giving it to the other people that is out there. Organizing our efforts so that way everyone is reached. This is the principle that God has given to us, which brings us to, (coughs) as we're talking about the organization, Jesus organized the efforts so everyone was taken care of. Jesus enlisted, equipped, and trained his disciples. And then the people didn't come to Jesus for bread. But Jesus gave to the disciples. And the disciples brought them to bread. Which now brings me to the third thing here. The miracle of the church. So we talked about the purpose of the church. The purpose is to get the gospel to every creature. That's our command. To reach them and to teach them. We could see the organization of the church. That it should not be depended upon one person. But in fact... Everyone should be trained how to go out and tell someone else. Everyone should be trained how to disciple and to teach and to deliver the same information that was given to them to other people because it's the message that people need to hear. Then we hear the miracle of the church. Now remember, 15,000 people are hungry. It's getting dark. And all they have is five barley loaves. Two sardines. But the wonderful thing is that when we give something to the Lord, He's able to multiply it. That's the miracle of multiplication. Notice again in verse 16. Then He, Jesus, took the five loaves and two fishes, and looking up to heaven, He blessed them. And He brake, and He gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat, and were all filled. Now, if you were by yourself, two sardines and five barley loaves may not fill one person. But here, because God had blessed the efforts and the miracle of multiplication, all 15,000 were filled. So much so that they were Disciples were going out to go grab the fragments. So they went out. They took the bread and the fish. And they said, here you go, Jesus. blessed it. Here you go, take it. And they, they delivered it to the 15,000. Then they came back with baskets and said, do you have any leftovers? And people threw the leftovers. And they came back with 12 baskets of leftovers. The miracle of multiplication. The miracle of the church. You know, with a tiny grain of wheat... We can feed the entire world. You plant it. Now remember that that grain of wheat has to die in order for it to multiply. The same thing is true with the miracle of the church. That what happens if we're going to multiply, we have to die to self. And as we die to self, God will multiply and we'll see much fruit. And as that fruit goes out... That tiny grain could be planted in the ground. And as it comes up, it comes up with more grain. You could take that grain and multiply it (laughs) or put it in the ground. And more grain will come out. And eventually, from that one seed, you could feed the whole world mathematically. Well, let's take this 
back to organizing our efforts. We believe in something called discipleship here. Discipleship we define as developing the habit of obedience to Christ. That everything you do in the Christian life is habits. You get in the habit of going to church. You get in the habit of reading your Bible. You get in the habit of praying. Those are habits. Well, if you provide someone to give you accountability and help develop those habits, those habits will develop quicker and stay. For example, if I was to go to the gym, I know, don't laugh, and I was to try to go to the gym by myself, there may be days I don't feel like going. And so if I'm the only one there, well, the days I don't feel like going, there's not much motivation to keep me going. But if I have someone who's going with me, The days that I don't feel like going, I'll still go because someone's keeping me accountable. Well, in discipleship, we do the same thing. We help people develop the habit of reading their Bible by having someone who's discipling them, who's helping them. How's your Bible reading? Come on, you could do some more. Doing great. Oh, how's your prayer life? Wonderful. We love. And to help provide that accountability. Well, let's just imagine that someone was discipling, and as they're discipling a disciplee, Both of those people are committed to witnessing to one person a week. That's it. Giving the gospel out to one person a week. Well, the first year that one person is taking another person, the next year those two are taking two. The next year those four are taking four. The next year those eight are taking eight. The next year those 16 are taking 16. The next year those (coughs) 32 are taking 32. And then year seven, 64 are taking 64. Now let's pause. If we have 64 people inside of the church who are able to disciple someone else, are we a fairly strong church? Yeah. Those 64 will take another 64. Those 128 take 128. Now remember, each week, both the disciple and the discipler are witnessing to one person a week. Do you know mathematically, the entire world can be reached with the gospel? doesn't mean everyone's going to accept the gospel, but every person can hear the gospel in 30 years. God has designed it so we can reach the world. But it can't be done by one person person. The miracle of multiplication comes as we organize our efforts and put a structure where everyone is doing their part and the world can be reached. Jesus Christ had 15,000 people to be filled and it looked like an impossible task and yes to feed 15,000 people but with just one person That's an impossible task to get them before they all starve and die overnight. But when he organized our efforts and enlisted, trained, and equipped his disciples, everyone was reached. This is the example that the Lord has given to us, this miracle of multiplication. Now, multiplication begins slowly. But when it's consistently done... It begins to get, move rapidly when it gets started. The goal was to take what they had and give it to everyone else who wanted it. And remember, when things are done God's way, God won't run out. That's the miracle of multiplication. Little as much when God is in it. Now you may say, well listen, I can't do much. Yeah, but can you do something? If you give what you can doesn't matter if it's your lunch. Two loaves, or two little fishes and five loaves. God can use it to feed the world, feed the multitudes. 
you say, well, I don't have much talent. I don't have much ability. You know, your greatest ability is your availability. You make yourself available unto the Lord and God can use you. And you could be part of this miracle of multiplication as we're trying to reach the world. We've got a lot of people that need to be reached. And oftentimes a small church like this say, how in the world can we make an impact? The miracle of multiplication. It starts off slow. But when it's done right, it goes on. We at this church now have seven people who have gone through discipleship and have now looking for their own disciples. Wonderful. We've got several more who are in discipleship currently with the idea that we're training them that they're going to do the same thing. We know that it starts off slow. But when it's done correctly and done God's way, guess what? Miracles are going to happen. Because this is what God has taught us. This is how God has done it. We could see the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to give the gospel to every creature. But we also see the organization of the church. That it can't be just one person by himself. But everyone has a part to play. And as everyone is organized, enlisted, trained, equipped, we could see the miracle multiplication. And a small church like this can make a great impact around the world. As we're just following the Lord. So what we're trying to say is that when you're a part of a local church like this. You're a part of something very big. And as long as we're doing things God's way. We're going to see the greatest days of this church still ahead. The miracle of multiplication. It's exciting. You're getting on the ground floor. Some amazing things of what God's going to do. Why? Because pastor said so? No, this is what God teaches all throughout the Bible. This miracle of multiplication. The organization of his work to reach all the people. Because God is not willing that any shall perish, but all shall come to repentance. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they go unless they be sent? This is the principle you find throughout the entire word of God. This miracle of multiplication. And we're so thankful for what God is doing. So you say, what do I do with this message? Well, first of all, what part are you playing in this? There may be some that say, I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. Let me tell you, our wonderful thing is we'd love to tell you how you can know for sure without a doubt that salvation is yours, that eternal life can be yours. For those of you who haven't been in discipleship, we would encourage you to come see me and I'll be glad to tell you more about discipleship and how you can get involved. For those of you who are in discipleship, keep going, keep going. God's got some great plans for it. Then those of you who have been through discipleship, keep praying for your people to come in. Within the, before the end of the year, it has been my prayer that all seven of them will be actively discipling someone else. What a wonderful thing that God has got a plan. The greatest days of this church are still ahead and I'm excited for it. You can't talk me out of it. If you told me that this church will not go forward, I quit now. Why be here? I want to see God do something. I have no desire to waste time. I have no desire to waste your time. I have no desire to waste this church's time. I want to go forward. I hope that you do too. And God's got a plan for it. And it's not my plan, and it's not my idea, and it's not my power, and it's not my lunch. It's all God. We could trust Him to do His own work. 
you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.